Takeout is cool, but delivery gets pricey. So, like a phoenix from the ashes, indoor dining is back at Forge Eatery. I use the analogy because the food is fire. It's a new approach to farm the table. No overalls, just dope food. Try my favorites, like the mushroom stew with pine nuts and ricotta, the cornmeal fried happy oysters, and the seared duck breast. Also, ask about the chocolate chip cookie tins. Mini chocolate chip cookies with a dusting of sea salt. Simply delicious. Head on over to ForgedEatery.com to check out the current menu options and make a reservation today. Forged is located at 3520 Chestnut Avenue in Hamden. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guests are Emmanuel and Nick from Slum Paradise, a multidisciplinary art and design collective. And I, I saw a little something about a little record label in there, too, so we're going to talk about that a bit. But welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us, man. So I gave the rundown, and when I do the rundown, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a pitch man. I may sound like it. I might look like it to some people. I'm not a pitch man. I like to let the um, creatives talk about what they do and describe their work. So if you will, either of you, feel free to take the baton. Describe Slum Paradise. Um. Well, like starting off, Slum Paradise is a metaphor for the world. You know what I mean? It came it came about just like. Like the name came about as an amalgamation of being in a like you could be in the in the most amazing place in the world um, physically, but you know your mental your mental space might not be the same or or vice versa. And there's ugly parts of the world physically as well, not even on the spiritual side, but you know just physically. And there's just ugly truths and things going on, but it's all beautiful all at the same time because you know it's all existing all in the grand scheme of everything. And we kind of wanted to represent that and, and make an, an indication of our environment because we think Baltimore, that in of itself, like, is slum paradise. And we wanted to relay that further. Uh, Manny wants to um, keep going off that. He definitely can. You know, I feel like he hit the nail on the head. Like, yeah. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I dig it. I, I think part of it is where when you like I, I do another podcast and it's like comedy. And as you probably can tell from my uh, temperament, when it's just like everything is a fucking bit. But w- I, I was calling like pretty much 2020. I was like, welcome to the quarantine. It's like we're all quarantined, but it's a paradise. Mm-hmm. Baby. You've got the right stuff around you. And that's that's the way I, look at it. So I dig it. Um, so um, I'm going to let Manuel like chop in on this one real quick. And then um, Nick, you chime in after uh, creatively. Right. Um, since mm-hmm. you guys kind of hit multiple areas creatively, name a design or a fashion brand has had like a big impact on what you do. Um, I feel like uh, the, the things that really got us excited about making Clean Paradise and the way that it, it came to be um, was more so from a place of having all these concepts and ideas and, and mm-hmm. feeling somewhat limited at the time um, sure. and, and really wanting to create a way to um, be able to cover anything that we wanted with this overall arcing concept. Um, Some Paradise being like the good and the bad, which we also play off of aesthetically, even with um, 
Slummy, our main character, is like yeah. kind of cute, kind of gross at the same time. Um, yeah. I feel like a lot of the inspiration for Slum Paradise came more from a feeling and like kind of reflecting back on um, our childhoods and like nostalgia and what yeah. made us excited about things when we were young. Um, I don't think that there was necessarily a brand that made us like, oh yeah, let's make clothes. I don't yeah, yeah. necessarily like, I've always been into clothes and even from a really young age, I, I was interning and um, working under other small cl clothing brands and learning how to manufacture clothes so that I could own things and, and be able to uh, have as much ownership over the business as possible. But I, I admire that. Yeah. it wasn't necessarily supposed to be just a clothing brand, just like it's not just a music label. So I don't think that there was necessarily a clothing brand that inspired us to start. Um, there's a lot of local clothing brands that are making moves in the area that we also really try to support. Like um, yeah. we had uh, before COVID, pre-COVID, remember those days? Uh -huh. PC, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time, like maybe at least two to four a week, uh, a month, excuse me, two to four a month. And we had an event called the Royal Mess where we would um, get a bunch of local clothing brands to come together and one yeah. would pop up. So it would be like four different brands all cultivating uh, an audience that can now build a bigger community. And um, that's really important to us. So like we definitely are about you know, supporting and pushing other clothing brands, but Slum Paradise in and of itself was more so us being like, we have all these ideas, um, people telling us like, oh, you can only do this or you can only do that just based off of the first thing that they knew us for and us trying to develop a system to do whatever we want, but it also all be cohesive. Yeah. yeah. Um, to to like piggyback off of that like um real quick i'm like super jealous of right now by the way oh yeah <laughs> gotta, gotta be smoking man <laughs> fucking um but yeah like when me and manny met what it was like 2013 like 2014 like around that time um and like the whole brand that another it started with art and it started with music at the same time like Manny was already making music and like I would like you know write music but I didn't really I was just selling weed and you know what I'm saying this is great so, <laughs> and like but yeah, we, some dope art at the same time like yeah we were like making art together and it was cool because like on Instagram like there's some there's like this kid over in London um, his name is Charles, but his brand is Agent Core, like Agent Thirty Three Core, cor mm -hmm. like Corporation, yeah. and he really he makes really hard silhouettes of like shoes, and I was just I would always talk with him and just like bounce ideas back and forth, and he really likes Slum Paradise because you know from back in the day, um, we used to talk, and now he's like doing his own thing. He's he's like pretty like pretty involved in everything and like seeing your peers like um continue to progress in the fashion world and achieve like um really amazing feats is like continues us wanting to push it 
um, yeah. a bigger brand and like people that I could definitely say helped inspired not the concept of Slum Paradise, but like sure. maybe more so some of the execution. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like definitely like Andy Warhol, you know what I'm saying? A little bit of Basquiat for sure. Um, I'm like really big fans of uh, like Rothko paintings. And so those paintings and minimalism and ideas and stuff like that really inspired like a lot of the colorways, a lot of the theories, like even early, like when we were talking about like how ideas, um, like how important something being simple could be. And you know what I mean? Just, just things like that um, really built how we think about it all now. Um, and, you know, I don't know, definitely some modern brands now, I could say were like a coal wall, like, you know, as a black owned brand, it's a newer fashion studio, but they're pretty big right now. So, and um, I mean, Virgil Abloh for sure, but I wouldn't say that Virgil Abloh directly inspired a, a like things that we make, he is inspirational as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah, For I sure. think what you're saying. I think yeah. what you're saying. And I think but, that, um, uh, that is a big factor too. Just like uh, Slum Paradise is very much about you know doing something that you love, sure. and um, our main, I guess, point or goal is to inspire people to figure out what they're really passionate about. Like, like, what would you do every day if you could only do this one thing every day and you didn't have to worry about, like, bills or making money or any of that? Like, if you had all the free time in the world and, and you could do anything, what exactly would you want to be doing? Um, it's not necessarily about, like, oh, be artistic, you know? It's just, like, uh, find something passionate about and like push for that you know so it's I, like it's like what's that thing like some people run into it, especially like the creatives the creative folks or what have you you have these conversations i have these conversations at least with people if like if you got a day job right mm-hmm. take the day job away from you take the security and all of that stuff from the day job or whatever you feel like it brings to you and you're doing something creative would you switch it and if you were switch it if they said, look, we're going to take 20 grand from it. We'll take this from it. We start stripping away security. Does it still matter to you as much? And if it does, that's the thing you should be putting your time towards. That's the thing that is that, that thing that you get up in the morning that drives you. And it may not even be like something creative. It may just be, I just yeah. want to hang out and like play with Funko Pops all day. I like yeah. that shit. It's fun, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't pay the bills sometimes. So you, you get caught in these kind of ideas. So I think looking at it from that perspective that you described, Benny, of, I want to be able to just do something and to enjoy, to enjoy without boundaries. And just, if you want to create, which it sounds like the two of you are doing, just creating without boundaries, without a box around it. And that's why it's so kind of multidisciplinary in a true sense that that's, that's why it is what it is. So in it, so in it, it seems like both of you are kind of on, on brand as to 
a shared vision. You guys collaborate on what that vision looks like. Definitely. Have you, have you run into instances, either of you, instances, and describe them briefly if you have them, instances where you're working with someone, you may bring someone in, and they don't really get the vision because yes, some people sir. are visionaries that looked at like crazy people. <laughs> and it's like, this don't work for you. You may not be here much longer. <laughs> Listen, man, like, I, we've had, like, let me go real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've had, like, there's people... Okay, so, like, if you want to talk, like, antiquatedly, like, just, like, acquaintances or or something like that, yeah, dude, like, you'll meet people that don't get where you're coming from, you know what I mean? Communication and language already, like, fails us, like, hugely just to people every day, so when you're trying to describe an idea, but I feel like a lot of people that you meet and that you talk to they can get the idea verbally, but a lot of people won't be able to wrap their heads around it until they like see it in person, you know, but then on on top of that, then there's just people that, you know, maybe they don't, they don't like that approach. You know what I'm saying? They don't like that idea that you have. And I mean, that's cool. Like, you know what I mean? To each their own, as long as you're not going out of your way to like deliberately hate or whatever. But then we've definitely worked with people that just wound up not getting like where we're coming from. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not going to name like any, any specific names or anything, but I might need um, to do a more spicy podcast where it's like, yeah, we name names on here. (laughs) You feel me? But like, I mean, big spice, let's go. That's a fact. Like you'll like, I mean, there's been like, I don't know, like producers or something like that, or like a person, I guess, in the community that is down to like work with you. You know what I mean? They're like down to do a bunch of other things, but the execution isn't on there. They're like, okay, okay, like now we gotta, uh, we gotta pay for this promotion and we gotta we gotta My spend all this money on this thing. <laughs> and bro, I'm watching the and it's like, bro. You don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, dude. I run into it all the time, right? Check it. Like, being, being in this space, being a podcaster and being something where I've been doing it for decade plus. It'll be 12 years of February, right? And people don't get it. They just yeah. say, oh, you just do this. And until it started making money, now everyone's a wizard. Everyone knows what they're doing. And my yeah. thing is, I know more about it. I've been sitting in the meetings with people who, four or five people, cumulatively, have six years of experience. It's like me by myself, I got twice what you guys have cumulatively. And they're telling me what the vision should look like, what the brand should look like, what, and it's like, I was already doing this. So I would imagine when you're sitting around with people and you're like, I know what this should look like. Yeah. I know what my brand is. Like you said, what what is it? The uh, uh, the, the the not the mascot, but the logo, Slummy. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I I know where I want this at. I know that this should be on this stadium jacket in this place. And that's the thing. If I'm being if I'm being factual about it, that's the thing that caught my attention more than any other piece there. Because you know, like the just the logo. It's like you guys have a branding thing. Let me investigate mm-hmm. further. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Let me let me send it. out this message because it, it reminded me of almost like a combination between like Slimer and Krang from like Turtles and shit, Ninja Turtles. And I was like, this combo, I was like, yo, what's, what's good with y'all? I was like, one, I'm gonna need that jacket too. What's good with y'all? And, um, and I'm happy to be able to talk to you guys a little bit further about it. So, and, and 
here, here's the thing. So I read that toys, I read toys is the thing. Yeah. I read that uh, home goods, clothing and music. So I want to focus on toys because like I said earlier, got Funko Pops in here. I get busy. <laughs> I want to see myself as an action figure. What were some of your um, your favorite, favorite toys um, kind of growing up that, because you may not say like, yo, this has definitely had an impact, but back in the mind, it's like, yeah, this does kind of look like that, don't it? So what kind of toys did it was like, yo, this was kind of really cool. This meant something to me. This may have in the back of the ether had some impact on how I approach certain things. What toys did you guys kind of like play with when you were younger? Like that kind of hit you. That's actually really funny that you say that. Cause um, I even, I specifically, and I might not get any love for this cause I don't know. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> I specifically remember being a kid and getting uh, the the Rescue Rangers. My man. Um, <laughs> I don't know if y'all seen a Rescue Ranger, but go ahead and Google that for some visual reference. It's like um, their half muscles are insanely huge and disproportional. Like, that's how you know that you found it. Um, when I was a little yeah. kid, I used to get those toys. And I remember the first thing that I started drawing was the toys so the way that i proportioned the body was based off of that character Mm -hmm. and i remember like even going back home my mom she saves everything that i draw no matter how good or bad it is like that's moms (laughs) she will go through the trash i like she is dedicated i don't understand but um yeah I had old drawings um, of these like action figure looking dudes and yeah. they would all be in the exact same stance and I would just change their clothes. So oh. the whole time I was like low-key already kind of on this. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like that um, is just like a random toy that doesn't really sit in the nostalgia as much as like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I have power. No, totally. Figures. I feel that. But you... But like, like, check it. Like the way what you just described was my experience back in the day. Like I'm like, I'm doing this podcast, right. And full disclosure, I'm one of those, I'm one of, you know, like, what is it in toy story? They have like the toys they got broken or the toys they got rid of. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of that vibe when it comes to art for me, it's like the school of art was like, nah, I think you're all set. I think you're good. And they just kicked me to the side. <laughs> I was just like, yo, so I do this as a way of like kind of going back into some of those roots. And what I used to do all the time was draw action figures that I had, old like X-Men action figures, or even I would go through the old wizard magazines and try to draw the covers or things that really caught my attention. That's what I was doing. And I would say like certain artists in there weren't really particularly good with anatomy, like Rob Liefeld. It's like, yo, every dude in here's chest doesn't match his body or (laughs) nobody has fingers. And I was like, what's my style now? It's really crazy too. Cause it's like, um, I feel like I get way more interested with stuff that is like disproportionate. Like mm-hmm. I, I would be more entertained by a little kid's drawing of like a cow than I would be of like something that's super perfect. So, so how about this? How about this right here? This is a question that, um, I have like a few more questions because I don't I don't really go too too in depth, but because I got rid of because I've I've heard some complaints. I got rid of the Baltimore Ballbuster questions I like to call them, and people get real like upset. I, you know, people said like, "Yo, a little nervous coming on your podcast, man. You got some Ballbusters. Like, where do you get your crab cakes from? Where do you get these? Where do you go at when um, you're trying to spend the bin?" You don't want to go to Fadeley's, see, but see, the motherfuckers close that shit down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
So, so Nick, gets it. Nick gets it. That's right. Nick gets it. Nick gets yeah, it. Right. So, so this is the question I have for both of y'all. And this is like one thanks each of you, right? Um, not that I'm going to steal it, but what is your most po- prized possession? See? Uh-huh. Um, it might be a ball buster question, actually, but go on. I don't know, man. Like, if I had to think about it, Something's burning down and you need to run back in the crib and there's one thing that you're like, yo, I need to get this. I need to get this magic coin. I need to get this number one issue of Batman. I need to get like this BT award or whatever. I got to go back in there and get this one thing. What's, what's the thing? You know, like... I mean, for real, like... I don't know. I'm like a... Like a if the crib is burning down and I got to get one thing... Yeah. It's probably just gonna be my bug. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's, like, great. That's a really like, honest answer. Like, cause like if it, cause like I mean I don't, I don't like. That's really like funny. I love like I love the things I have. I'm yeah. so appreciative of those things. Like I would never want to lose uh, those things. I got homeowners insurance. Uh, the most, this could be then, replaced yeah you know what I'm saying but the most important thing that's like a physical object are probably uh, these rings on my finger cause like um, the the one on my like ring figure is my like pops sweating ring he passed away like two years ago and then the, the one next to it is uh, his mom's so you know what I'm saying so I just be rocking these and they're always on me. So, I mean, like, I wouldn't be scared of losing that shit because it's on my body. Yeah. And I would just take the gas because need that. <laughs> I need to burn that, you know. <laughs> yeah. If the house is burning down and everything's got to go, you're definitely going to want to smoke about it. Yeah, that's, that's the only way to pass it, really. I'm probably grabbing a hard drive though. I got like all of my old, like just stuff. Like I got a bunch of unreleased podcasts over the 12 years where I was like, yo, that shall never come out of the vault. You know? And see, I was thinking about that. I was like, Oh, but I want to like pull up some kind of like files or something. But I'm low key. Like I, I would hope that I have my phone, but I probably just grab my phone. And, and mind yeah. you, my phone is like a, what? I don't know. It is like an eight. It is oh, not. No. I don't even know if it's an eight. It might be a six. I don't even know. It's not important. I'm just like, I can do so much from my phone. Like I, I have the, I can update the site, you know, I can mm-hmm. drop something. I can take photos. I made the the slummy logo on my phone with my finger, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that shit's like, hard. <laughs> and it's a good site too. I like the site too. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Like Loki, I feel like, um, the like my most prized possession is low key yeah. more so like an intellectual property, like so the you, stuff you that they can't take away from me. Cause like you get it. Let's say everything did burn down, and you know mm-hmm. I had nothing. You know if if I had enough money to like make a T shirt, you feel me? I can design that myself. I have the designs on my phone. Even if my phone was destroyed, I can get it from the cloud. I got that shit back. And the limitlessness of like creative control and owning your creative platform is so much more valuable. Like I feel like in the long run, it 
is almost like having stock, but but mm-hmm. yours and it's infinite. You know, there's no. Limit. It's in perpetuity. It's in perpetuity. That's that's the thing. Like I, I kind of picked up from you know, like you'll you'll get different pieces. You don't want to go too deep into following what someone else does is in a similar space. So like you have people that you might admire and you might dig what they do and you might be fans of them. Um, so like, I like what these Zemiro do or what have you, but I don't want to like steal what they're doing because it's what they do. But one piece of advice that I got from, from them that I kicked to my, my co-host at one point, I was like, we have to continually be us in the most unapologetic way possible and be honest yes. with each other. And I think if you continually, especially when you're working with someone, like most of this is me, but when you're working with someone, it's just like check in, do that. But if you're continually being yourself and being authentic in that way, to your point, Manny, about the intellectual property, you never run out of content. Exactly. And I even going back to your uh, your question with like working with people, I feel yeah. like um, over the past like year or two, I've had a lot more um, a lot more experience with like professional collaborations. Mm-hmm. And and just seeing the difference, not even necessarily on like uh, like attention level, but just how seriously you're taking it level. Um, mm-hmm. The difference between somebody who's kind of like halfway, I think this would be a cool thing to do, but I'm not really trying to do it. Like I'm not trying to put in the work to get it done and have yeah. it accomplished, but I want to reap the rewards of that. And then the person who's like, I genuinely love doing this thing. And yeah. I'd love to be a part of what you guys are putting together. Like creative dire- directing is yeah, definitely yeah. its own job to be able to be like, this is the idea and the concept and to bring it to the right person to make that a reality. If you are collaborating in a visual way or just mm-hmm. being able to, to take something and properly present it to the right person to get it done in a quick and effective manner. Like, so, so, so within, within Slum Paradise, is it primarily you and Nick? Is it any other body that's a regular contributor? Yes, and, uh, yeah, like, a couple of like, for instance, um, there's this dude named Abe, that's my guy. He, yeah. he helped design the, the Paragirl design. That's um, a fact. He, it was more of a situation like, First of all, the, the Paragirl, I, like, I had this idea, like, a long time ago, but I don't know if you've ever watched Osmosis Jones. Of course I have. <laughs> Love yeah. that. So, like, she's kind of inspired by, like, the blood cells from that movie, and um, it was supposed to be uh, an di- a indirect, direct shot at the times and, like, Corona and, you know, people more scared and, and worried about their health and safety. And these people were kind of like fighting the bad guy, which was the virus. Um, so conceptually, I already had what I wanted. I knew what I wanted it to look like. And he had the, um, the style that I needed. And then we came together to make that collaboration. Um, we'll do that occasionally with specific things when it's a specific aesthetic that we aren't necessarily... Um, the best person to do that, but I dig it. Yeah. I'd say a solid 90% of everything that comes out is in-house and like me and Nick, it's just easier with me and Nick because we're already on the same page. Like we met in art school, yeah. like freshman year, and we've been talking about this for a minute. 
he's already been working on creative things. I was already working on creative things. We already had the same mindset about yeah. what we wanted to accomplish. So it's like, with Nick, it's like, I could just hit him up and be like, yo, we got to do this, this day, this time. Can you do it? He'll hit me back. I know that if I need him to do something and I, I'm like, can you do this? He'll be like, yeah, he'll get it done. It's done. Okay. You know? And like, compart... Oh my gosh. Put Go things in compartments is also in- extremely important. Because if, yeah. if you're giving the whole vision to somebody who's only supposed to execute this much of the vision, yeah. it's like they're overwhelmed. They don't get it. Now they're lost in a sea of concepts. Things that we spent like years thinking about. Yeah. You just need to give them what they need and, and be able to hone in on what is necessary for them to <coughs> and keep in mind your overall vision, because only you're going to understand your vision before you execute it. You know? Well, and, and, like, and that's the thing. That's the thing that's there where when you're able to compartmentalize and I think there's a part of it, like art of delegation, where I, I you know, like you, when you know yourself, you know what you, you operate in and how you operate. My hamster wheel up here is always going and it's always some new ideas like, OK, how can I do this in this way? Who should I link with on this? Hey, they do something interesting. How can I get something out of it? How can I come up with questions? You'd be surprised in doing these interviews. I'll get some people will send me nothing. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to get gold out of you based off of them. It's going to start asking you wild ass questions like what's your favorite curse word? Because it's like, yo, you gave me nothing. So this is what yeah. I'm doing. And I think some people aren't able to pivot like that and and this will be actually be one of my last questions actually i got two i got two questions left and this is one of them in terms of pivoting what pivots do you think you've had to make because of covid and what you're doing creatively have you had to maybe change how you distribute your stuff because you have the online store have you changed how or who you work with so talk about that a little bit absolutely well yeah like before, like as Manny said a little bit earlier, before COVID happened, like we would do a lot of pop-ups <laughs> and people could get like our stuff from us. Like we even had like uh, um, a less functional version of the website up, but like online sales weren't that big. They would be bigger for like people that weren't in the state, like city or like, you know what I mean? Or like state. Um, but like we would do the pop-ups and we would sell out pretty much that day. Or we would then make more clothes and do another pop-up. And then whatever was left over from the last pop-up, we would bring it there and then people like would be excited because they thought that you know they missed out and then that would probably go as well eventually we would just sell out everything and then combine with online sales that was you know an increase but Mm -hmm. when we relaunched the website during covid um you know like i don't even know like people just we we launched these jumpsuits um and everybody really liked them and it just went up like I guess people, you know, we were kind of concerned because, I mean, we didn't want to drop, like, when the quarantine first started, I had a conversation with Mary, and I was like, we shouldn't drop anything for a little bit because, you know, people are struggling. You know what I mean? They don't want to 
be asking people for money for these clothes like people are struggling and so that was around the time we had taken the website down anyways and then by the time that it came back up everybody got in their stimulus checks and unemployment was popping and going stupid so like <laughs> i mean like we it's just then, describe it by the way so then like um yeah people were just buying buying um like a lot of stuff like the jumpsuits sold out and then uh we were having a lot of good traffic to the website and it was functioning really well and I don't know, but Manny handles uh, pretty much all of the shipping and, you know what I mean? So Manny wants to elaborate more on, like, the mail has sucked. So, like... Yeah, um, so when it comes to uh, the pivot that we had because of COVID, um, just to give you, like, a, a mental picture, imagine, like, 97% of our sales were, like, in-person pop-ups so like mm -hmm. the strategy for that is different as far as like manufacturing as far as um the amount of pieces we're getting at a time and and the range of sizes that we're getting for in-person pop-ups um yeah. it was our concentration because we like the interaction and being able to like break down and explain um what we're about and build that community and also like mm -hmm cross promote with other creatives, whether they're like a DJ, a musician, other clothing brands. Um, maybe a podcaster in the future. Maybe a podcaster. <laughs> I, like if, if you were around uh, me in 2019, I was preaching that like the area needs more podcasters, more people who are actively. Um, and I said that it was super necessary because somebody who is unbiased, who can interview across the table, can um, cultivate their own following that is helping to build the community for everybody. Yeah. I just felt like if it was coming from, um, and like, like for instance, if we at one point we were gonna do like a whole podcast and it was like, I just felt like there's already an, an innate bias and mm -hmm. I'd rather, somebody in a neutral territory be able to go across all channels and and give somebody a, a full picture of everything that's going on you know and not I, I dig that yeah but yeah back to <laughs> back to the pivot um once COVID started obviously we couldn't be doing these events like I was heated because when I tell you that I had at least at least 12 different yeah, was a lot. in the next three months um yeah, we had like pop-ups in Philly and like New Jersey and like there was like a bunch of other places that we were going to go to. But And we were already consistently doing pop-ups like Philly, New York, uh, like I'd go down to Virginia, try and set some stuff up. Like I was trying to get a more regularly occurring pop-up to happen too for the community and have other clothing brands uh, rotate through. I, just yeah. ways to get more money into the creatives pocket so that they can keep pushing forward. I don't even yeah. charge brands to come and do a pop-up with us because I'm like, 
you know, you already had a cause to make these things and you know that you want to make a certain amount of profit, come to this event, do it in person, don't pay for shipping, take all your money, go make some cool shit, you know? Yeah. And that gets lost a lot of times too, because not everybody wants to do that. It's, you know, like, and it just as anecdotally and as an aside, and we'll, we'll get back into it. But, you know, when you're working with people that are in that same spot, there have been times where through connections I've had, I've rented out theaters. And this is a kind of pre-COVID question, right? Yeah. Rented out theaters, rented out different spaces. And I can talk to people. I can, I can sort things out. And I'm 6'4", 300 pounds. I'm an intimidating individual in person. So, um, but, I, but I wear like an anime t-shirt. So it's, it's all good, right? Um, so I'll talk to people and rent these places out. And I'm like, yo, um, I want to do this with other podcasters. Let me, let me do a festival. Let me bring this together. Let me bring back some black podcasters. Let me bring back some of the weirdos, people that don't really get the attention because we're not, you know, not talking that same kind of, kind of bullshit. And then suddenly, you know, how much we owe you? I was like, you don't mean anything. I, I'm doing this. I just want you to be a part of it. Bring your A game. It's one of those things. Showcase what you do. Yeah. And whatever you get out of, we got a merch table set up. I got my people running the merch table. It's like, this is just for you. And it's, I'm trying to show like, yo, this is how you build a community and we'll work together in the future. But please continue. I just wanted to put that out there. No, I'm, I'm on the exact same page. Like, I don't want to take money out of anybody's profit. I don't, I don't want to uh, disable your brand from making as much money as possible. I just want to cultivate the community because that's going to help everybody. I'm going to make the money that I make off of Slum Paradise. Nick is going to make his sales off of Slum Paradise. When we come, People are coming for us as much as they're coming for anybody else. Yeah, because, like, and then, like, also you got to think about it, too, like, because, like, with online sales and stuff, too, like, a lot of our sales are, like, in Canada and, like, Kansas and, like, L.A., And like, like not even like as far as online sales, like, like I mean, you you'll still get a lot of online sales from in the city for sure, like people in town. But a lot of them are like out of town. You know what I mean? It makes it makes you more it makes you more broad. And when you do it in person, and the purpose of it being in person, it's a regional tri-state kind of area. Meet the individuals, press the flesh. You know, don't cough in anybody's face. Wear your fucking mask, shit like that. But when you're doing it online, you're able to have a a broader appeal, and you're able to hit other people. So if it's an in-person thing, it's like, yo, let's just make it happen. Make your money from these people here, and maybe this gives some of these other brands the impetus to build out their online infrastructure. And maybe it is networking. Maybe it is all of these things. Yeah. Makes everyone stronger. And ultimately, uh, like I, I genuinely believe that if COVID didn't happen, we would have just tripled down on doing pop-ups and in-person events. Um, the website wasn't really a concern because we could rarely keep inventory long enough to put it online to be selling it online because it would be sold out in person. But once, yeah, that's right. Um, we. We had to triple down on the website um, as far as like, if we're going to continue to push things forward with the brand and make this accessible, then this has to be, um, it has to be shown correctly. We have to build trust with the audience. We have to bring the people who are already here supporting us in the physical to the digital realm. Cause a lot of people would just be like, we're just going to pull up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no shipping, no nothing. Yeah. Like, ah. I, I definitely feel like, you know, 
revamping the website, making it better uh, was necessary. A, a lot more back-end stuff, just like tracking numbers for everybody. Everybody gets their tracking numbers, making announcements. Oh, orders are going out today. Please check your email. And uh, shipping issues. Like shipping issues. This thing oh got God. sent wrong, Holiday ordered wrong. was terrible. Holiday season, USPS was so backed up. So bad. It's still fucked up. So, so put it this way. Put it this way. Yes, on time. Just uh-huh. know that it was UPS, USPS, and it's not even their fault because they have like a quarter of the staff that they usually have because of COVID. Yeah. And they're moving like triple the amount of stuff because everybody's shopping online. So, terrible. put this out there. Put this out there. Uh, I'll send you the link to I'll send both of you the links to this. Um, on the um, other show I do, Robcast, that's been around for the 12 years. I was sitting there, I was joking with my girlfriend because um, we saw a post, uh, postal worker for the first time in like weeks and shit. And I was like, yo, baby, roll the window down. I'm a street harassed this postal worker. I need my shit. Hey, you, baby, I'm talking to you because you dressed that way. You got a package in there for me? And she was like, you stupid as shit. And I was, I was like, I just want my package. I'm not harassing. Hey, you in that uniform, what it is? You got something in there for me? Um. <laughs> I think I think um, I think it's important because from from what I'm hearing between the two of you, um, community is a key thing, right? Community is important, and uh, and in a few words, and this is actually a bonus question I'm thinking of. In a few words, um, Baltimore. Let, let's talk about that a little bit. What do you, what do you? If someone is like, you complete this sentence, right? And they ask you, what is Baltimore? You, and you're and you and you have to finish this sentence. Baltimore is how do you how do you finish that sentence? Uh-huh. Baltimore is building, you know, Baltimore is building. I feel like, I feel like um, a lot of things that are happening in Baltimore can get looked over for an even more major city, not to say that Baltimore isn't, but like, you know, like a New York or LA is going to get attention first. But I think that the like overall DMV area, like I'm, a, I'm originally born and raised in uh, Richmond, Virginia, you know, sure. I came, I came out here for college. I've been here for like five, six, seven years now. I'm a citizen, you know. You are. You, you, you passed it. You've you got enough obey in your season, in your system, so you passed. The obey is, is I, flowing through my whole purpose. Oh, my God. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> um, but no, Baltimore's building. Because like even just in the few years that I've been here, you know, it's been such a dramatic um, growth in like, infrastructure of like the colleges you know um i feel like the college scenes are going to get even bigger once covid stops and people can go back to school like normal um yeah the creative scene is really building because there's a lot of like micah we we both came from micah there's a whole art school and a bunch of people in the community who are doing creative things and we have these good venues oh let's pray for the venues that they make it through covid but yeah. Um, yeah, like also like I would even say like I don't know I don't know. Like I feel like that's a hard sentence right away to like stop because like to me just Baltimore is like home, you know, like I'm from here. I'm born and raised here and like I hear the accent, man. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, like so like I, I don't know, like but I was like I, like there's a lot of problems like all over the city yeah. and there's a lot of things that can get improved upon um and like focusing on like outside communities because even with that college scene 
that like Manny was talking about, like that's such a like small area that like exists in this like station north Charles Village area that like nobody goes to like far west side or like far east side. But then there's a lot of people that do, you know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of creatives that are coming out of those areas as well have started to happen you know what i mean and i feel like the knowledge and awareness of what they got going on has become broader so like even like like building but like also in transition it's becoming something that's gonna probably be talked about for a while like eventually you know what i mean a couple of years from now even with like, like, uh, so. the riots and like um the protests like uh, Baltimore got another eye on it for all of the things that came from that. And I, yeah. I definitely feel like there was yeah. a lot of creative people um, who used their creative, the creativity to uh, share their voice. And I think that since that happened, people who are not from the area, when they hear Baltimore, they already have a like heightened ear to like, oh, what's coming from here, you know? Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like the whole DMV area too is just generally being slept on right now. I think that there's a lot of things that are like actually getting a lot of time to um, become self-established. I think that mm -hmm. the things that are going to come out of the DMV area in the next couple of years are going to like really surprise people because in other areas they might have gotten noticed earlier. But by the time they do get seen, it's going to be so developed that people won't be able to deny it. You know, Good. One, one of the things that I want is I, I think that we have, if, if I were to try to answer it, I always say gritty authenticity. You know, it's it's there. You know where you stand at with people here. You, you don't get a lot of bullshit here. And um, and if you get on and if you're loved here, you're really loved. And that community, that artist community, that creative community, it's it's accessible, but also it's kind of gated in a sense of we need to see if you pass the test first before you can you can't just come in. You know, there's a lot yeah. of people who aren't from here. And like I said before, you know, they try to you know, they don't really pass the, 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 the codes or what have you, and they want to have a certain degree of credibility. And it's a stamp of approval that I think specifically Baltimore hasn't really got as being that proven ground. Like people, people I'll talk to that are from that DM, from the DMV. And it's like, yeah, you kind of got to go through Baltimore before you can go to like Philly, before you can go to New York, because they'll tell you if your shit's trash. And you had to go, yeah. you might have to go back to where you came from, retool and back to the drawing board. And once you get, it's like, it's like going into the playoffs. You got to eventually beat this one team before you can get to the next round. Baltimore is that first team. That's the way I like to look at it. Um, so in this last question, before I let you two gentlemen get to the uh, shameless plugs here. Uh, so this is, this is kind of, this is a music question. Cause we really, really didn't talk about music too, too much. And I want to, this is a, this is a weird one now. So it's, it's long winded. Every year there is a song that you look back and you're like, why is this shit good? Why do people like this? Why is this popular? And you know the song is not good. It's repetitive. It's corny. But there's something in it that elicits a response that makes you feel like, all right, this is something worth listening to. And you might not hear it for a little while. And then when it comes on, your head starts knocking. It starts bopping. You can't help it. What is that song that comes to mind for you? Um, I, I got you. Oh, shit. Just out of, out of the blue. Like, I got you. 
I mean, I feel like it's, it's but this is like a this. I feel like this answer is like. Because people are gonna be like, is he calling this song corny? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can. But like, I, I'm not, I'm not calling it corny. It is, I, it's a song. I didn't like it when I first heard it, and I was a hater of the song. But it was Hotline Bling, and I like <laughs> hated on it very hard. But I love that song. You know? should not. So he, what can you say? I mean, it's a pretty. I mean, if it comes on, I'll, I'll fuck with it. You know what I'm saying? A song, uh, yo. I'm a. I'm a, and like. I know a lot of people might say this, and and it's probably reason another one, just a bonus one, yeah. I guess, right? <laughs> and I don't even fuck with the, this artist. You know what I'm saying? Like no hate or whatever. I just don't like his music. You know what I mean? But like that old town road shit. Hello, like, Real talk. Like, I shit you not. Like, I came in the crib, like, <laughs> months before that song, like, blew, like at least two to three months. And my my roommate uh, was like, yo, peep this, because Red Dead Redemption 2 online yeah. came out. Like, you know what I'm saying? And everyone was playing it. And riding your horse took a long ass time. <laughs> and the original video for it was a meme it was just a video of a bunch of scenes of the horse running on GTA five and like Lil Nas X or whatever, like put it out and it was like, it had like 6,000 views on YouTube and it was just a joke that was like getting passed around the gaming community. Mm -hmm. And like, at first we used to play the song, like, cause we thought it was hilarious. Like, and it was lit. It was funny. It was like, we was like, yo, Loki, this is hard. Like, but then it went crazy. Like, and it was like, oh my God. Like, I don't know. So then after a while, I just can't, I can't even, I don't like that song. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, actually, like, I don't, I can't even fuck with it now. So. You, you want to hear something but, ironic about that? When I was coming up with that question, that's the song that popped in my head as I was like, what would be an example? And I was like, and take my horses to, I was like, yo, Old Town Row. Absolutely. That's the song. Spin it. How about yourself, man? You got anything mm -hmm. that comes to mind? Uh, well, okay. I, I like I like a wide variety of things, and I know I, I have a certain playlist that I'm not going to play around other people because I'm like <laughs> I know that my friends will be like, "What is this?" Like, <laughs> um, I, okay. For instance, I have a playlist that's called um, "Instant Dance Floor." And um, this is what we're looking for, <laughs> right? Exactly. Sometimes you know, sometimes you go to, to the party and it's like, oh, the ox court is available, and everybody's like, oh, I don't know. Oh, oh, so I have a playlist, and I mean, honestly, I don't know how it would actually go over because I never actually got to like play it out of work. But um, it has a lot of like, it has a lot of like dance hall, like a lot of like hard ass beats in other languages like i have to look up what they mean before i can really be jamming out kind of thing but it's, sometimes it's super problematic <laughs> yeah yeah um you know I, and and speaking of problematic okay if i was going to like reel it into something like more specific that i've like recently heard that i was like this has not aged very well um I don't know if you guys remember uh, Uchi Wally by Nas. Of course I do. But the remix. Get hit. <laughs> I was like, yo, when, when I heard the remix the other day, I was truly like, 
this sounds like your your grandfather being like, oh, you don't know nothing about that. Uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was like, yo, yeah. we're really going hard in this song. Like the, the chorus seems so lighthearted, but every verse is just like, wow, we're wilding out on the track. You know? There might be bodyguards in that song. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, and, and I have no problem with the song. I love the beat. Love the chorus. In the remix, they were wilding on the verses. Just, just take a I'm, second to like really digest that. I'm, I'm going to re-listen to it now because I own I own that like Queensbridge album back in what 2001 or whatever it came out, and I was like, "Yo, there's a large dude getting loose in this verse." Yeah. He keeps saying "head" every time he rhymes. I was like, "Yo, I'm here for it." <laughs> yeah. So, um, in in the last question we got, um, not even that's that's it all as far as the questions. I'm gonna give you two um, folks a, a, an opportunity to um, shamelessly plug anything you got, your website, social media, all of that stuff. And again, thank you both for coming on. This has been truly a great opportunity to learn more about Slum Paradise and both you, Manny, and you, Nick. So please um, regale us with any of your shameless plugs. Uh, I'd say first um, and foremost, uh, SlumParadise.com. Super simple, you know, the name.com. <laughs> Efficient. It's very shameless. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, first off, I want to say thanks for having us. Um, it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, like many says, lumpparadise.com, the name. Um, very simple, very easy. And then, you know, he's Manny Pockets, P-O-K-I-T-Z on Instagram. I'm Perkadelic, P-E-R-K-A-D-E-L-I-C. You know what I'm saying? Um, I got a project coming out pretty soon. It's called Watching the World Burn. Um, and it's just, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of different, you know, I try to take the approach of like, you sitting in water, but kind of watching like fire and like, and like chaos kind of ensue, you know, but I, I tried to take a very uh, objective approach to the project, mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't say the word I too much. It's a, it's kind of like a meditative journey, you know what I'm saying? Um, but that should be coming out within this month uh, or at the beginning of next month. I haven't really decided yet. Um, so definitely stick stick around and look out for that. Yep. And then in the meantime, we're going to be uh, continuing to drop uh, fire clothes, of course. I, I pretty much have a schedule um, of everything that's coming out until like the end of March. Um, oh, yeah. Um, but I always stay <laughs> at the very least a few months ahead, like, as far as like the dropping schedule. Um, so so like stay tuned much. for all of those uh, goodies. We just dropped the, uh, I don't know how soon this is gonna drop, but we just dropped the pair of girl sweatpants like yesterday. I got, I mean, I got the website up right yeah, now. So pretty much the main message is keep your eyes peeled on the website, keep your eyes peeled on the social, see when things are dropping. There's always gonna be something oh, yeah. new coming. That's, is, that, is that what we're hearing? Literally. That's a fact. If, okay. if, if you didn't get anything from, from everything that we've said about Slum Paradise, just know that like we make cool things and uh -huh. 
is not just going to be clothes and it's not just going to be music. We have a lot of surprises in store for 2021. Oh, yeah. And, and just real quick, <laughs> Go ahead. And just real quick, we work with this nonprofit called Once Replanted. So, like, every, uh, you know, purchase of, like, clothing goes to planting a tree, like, uh, like reforesting, like, places around the world that have been devastated by, like, forest fires and everything recently, you know what I'm saying, over the past years. Um, so that's cool. That's, that's a bonus. Idea. Just throw that out there. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of yeah, back-end positive business. Uh, I, I'm a strong believer in, in, in having things backed up in positivity. So yeah. like, um, like Nick said, with One Tree Planet, we'll, we'll donate to the company to plant a tree for um, X amount of purchases um, every year. So that's always helping the environment. Um, some of our manufacturers also donate to um, basically help underfunded kids get educations, things of that nature. Um, yeah. Anything that could help in the back end of what we do, we definitely try to establish. A social responsibility right there. And I think a lot mm. of, I think a lot of creators when they're out there, they're doing their thing and they're trying to grow it and the focus is there, but then they forget where, not necessarily where they came from, but they forget that there are other people that, yeah, your, your, your stuff is nice, your clothes are nice, the stuff that you do is really cool, it's dope, but also, you know, you're part of a world that's around you where, you know, pretty much going back to the, the you know, forest fires and shit like that, we had a bunch of forest fires last year, so having, you know, you know, ultimately at the back end of what you're doing, being able to help kind of revitalize that, because the question that really can float out there is, Who's going to replant these trees? Who's going to bring us back? You know, we're, we're, we don't have our lungs anymore. And that's that's important. And it's good to hear that you guys are doing something in that vein, as well as working with the the kids in, in that, that back end manner as well. Yeah, I, I just feel like um, having it on the back end makes it easier for you to accidentally positively impact the community. So it's something where even if we were to forget to do something it's already built into the business so we're already helping but we definitely have other things in mind um with the other veins that of of creation that we're doing that will go even further into that um giving back to the environment and to the community um factors that's extremely important on our end that's what i like to hear so um I am going to do my sign off. And again, thank you, Nick. Thank you, Manny, for coming on to the podcast. This has been truly no cool. Problem, uh, so for Slum Paradise, Manny, Nick, I'm Rob Lee saying that they are dope creators in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it.